Dr. Sherwood asked me to uh, do the chapel this morning, and then he uh, threw a caveat in and said, well, why don't you talk about one of the topics in your book? And um, it was like, okay, I can do that. But then as I got to thinking about it, you know, usually these chapels are uh, pretty uh, founded into a specific passage of scripture and uh, purposes to edify us, that kind of thing. Well, I had a little trouble figuring out how to make all of these uh, purposes come together without giving you a little background, too. So uh, I'm going to quickly go through a few slides here. I've tried to whittle it down to the point where I hope it will be uh, informative, helpful, encouraging, and uh, good use of your time. But uh, we will go as quickly as I feel like I can here. So I'm going to share my screen. Um, Can you see my screen at this point? Feel free to uh, stop along the way and uh, uh, ask questions if necessary. Um, I uh, began my career as an engineer uh, and for years, uh, my whole life, I've been concerned about, well, how do things work and how do you get things done? And so I wound up with a, a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and a master's in industrial engineering, and then moved on to a PhD in leadership because it's how do we get this stuff done? Um, there's a, a passage of scripture that has captured my mind for a very long time. And it's a psalm that at the end it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands he led them. Um, I try always when I'm talking about leadership to go back to Scripture as the basis for everything. And uh, this is the basis for the integrity part. Um, and we're not going to go through this this morning, but how many of you, all of you know the Ten Commandments, but raise your hand if you know the rules for kings. Anybody know the rules for kings? Um, so in Revelations, we read that we are uh, priests, kings and priests to the Lord. And so I think this passage applies to us in our integrity of how we operate. And so I take people through this passage where it says that we're not to uh, love uh, and accumulate silver and gold and all of those kind of things. We're not going to talk about that this morning because that's the part that's the integrity part. Today, I want to talk more about the skill of, of leadership. Somebody help me off the top of your head. What is your definition of leadership? Anybody? How about influence? Influence, yeah. So John Maxwell has uh, pounded that into most of our heads that uh, leadership is uh, influence. Any other off the 
your definition of leadership? Actually, what I want to say about uh, this is that this is a word that's relatively new to the English language. Uh, before about 1800, you could not find this word in the dictionary. And when it first appeared, it was with a very negative connotation. Uh, obviously, from the passage of scripture we read, lead and the thought of going before and bringing people along has been around for millennia, but this actual word has uh, not been around very long. And in fact, the uh, studies that I did for my PhD showed that over 60% of this official scholarly research never even bothered to define this term. Uh, so, uh, I, I'm going to give you my current version of this, but first I want to tell you there are two things that are always present if you are a leader. First of all, there are followers. Um, problem with that is I don't, I doubt that anybody on this call has ever had a course in followers. Uh, we have a course in uh uh, leadership, but not in followers. And then uh, the other piece is there if there will be followers and there will be change. So those two things are necessary for leadership to happen. My current definition is inspiring the right action, the right moment, the right manner, for the right reason. Uh, I would ask you this morning, how many of you think that Adolf Hitler was a leader? And I think most of us would answer yes to that. My response is he was a pseudo leader. He didn't meet all of these criteria. He got people to go from one place to another. He inspired them to the wrong action at the, you know, uh, so he did not meet this criteria. Leadership basically is three kinds. And what we are after at NBC, I think, is this transformational. It occurs when one or more persons engage with others in such a way that leaders and followers raise one another to a higher level of motivation and morality. Unfortunately, as I crisscross this country and have been to over 100 boards of ministry and whatever, I think most of our folks fall more into the transactional leadership where uh, you take the initiative with others to exchange something. Well, if you will uh, uh, be a member of our church, this is what you get. And it's a sales pitch. Oh, well, if you'll be my Sunday school superintendent, well, you'll be on the board. Maybe that's not a plus, but, you know, you get the idea. There's an exchange here. So um, I have uh, available a uh, self-assessment tool. Uh, this is uh, something that we've used in business and other places uh, on the market that's about a thousand dollars for you to do this uh, if you're interested please contact me and i'll uh, give it to you and we can talk about what it means for you but 
there are certain uh, behaviors that are transactional versus those that are transformational. And we are trying to raise people, inspire people to a mission and a motive and a purpose that is that is beyond ourselves. We we are attempting to uh, help build the kingdom and for people to flourish. In fact, you know, we talk a lot at NBC about servant leadership, and at graduation would give they used to give people a bow for service. And uh, so in this servant leadership, which is the subset, we say the best test and difficult to administer, do those serve grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants? And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? So um, I'm hitting some high points here to get to what I think Dr. Sherwood asked me to do. Um, this is uh, the cover of the book that I wrote. Uh, Desmond Barrett and Paul Hobbs are both uh, uh, graduates from uh, NBC and have gone on to uh, get their doctorate, and, and they have helped me with this work. Our regional director, Stan Reeder, illustrated each of the chapters, and um, so that's just more for uh, information than anything else. Okay, so let me stop here for just a minute and um, say, uh, again, we are attempting, or I am attempting in my whole life here to figure out how do we lead with skill and integrity? And it's my contention that uh, NBC does a very good job of laying the foundation and helping our students know what the boundaries are for leadership and, and how to uh, go about that. But it's a lifelong pursuit to be skilled at leadership. Um, and so as I've worked over uh, many, many cultures around the world living in South America and Asia, uh, I've come to believe that there are some skills that uh, are important in leadership that we don't teach it probably at NBC or the seminary, certainly don't teach them at MBA schools. And so I've uh, listed and uh, provided those in my book. Um, for you, I've tried to be more um, intentional and to give you, is anybody as old as me and remember Cliff Notes? Ah, okay, so I have uh, prepared for you this morning and this document, by the way, is on the, will be on the website. So you can uh, 
get a hold of it. Uh, and let's see, I want to go here again. Are you seeing my PowerPoint slide again? No. Yeah, here we go. So it, on the uh, on the website is the uh, list of my the eight principles of uh, that uh, I think are the most important for leadership. There may be another eight coming behind this pretty soon. I'm not sure, but uh, I want to focus in on uh, just one skill that I think. Uh, we all could use in leadership, either at NBC or as pastors or wherever we happen to be. And it's this number three that's on the screen. I call it the power of the root. Uh, to transform a, a group or an organization, you, you have to move that group from one place to another. Um, to do that, uh, probably everyone on this screen has tried to change the culture of a workplace, uh, a church, an organization, a nonprofit, uh, of your kids, something. Um, and how, how do you go about doing that? We see many folks who attempt to do that and wind up being unsuccessful in that. Um, so the practical piece of this is, well, if you want to change the culture, say, in your church, how many people do does it take to be able to do that? And my practical experience, uh, having uh, teams all around the world in all different cultures, says that if you don't have a core group that's bought in and committed, it's folly for you to start down that path. And what I see is pastors who uh, get so far ahead of their congregations that they lose, lose the ability to change them. Uh, so the power of the root says, whatever the size of the group, say you have a hundred people in your congregation, you have to have at least 10 of those, the square root of 100 is 10. You have to have at least 10 of those that are champions and committed to the change, or it's not going to happen. If you don't have that as a leader, you need to reflect and say, oh, well, uh, we have some more groundwork here before we try to launch this change. If you have a board of individuals that's, say, nine people, if at least three of them aren't committed to the change, it's not going to happen. Uh, if you have that number fully committed, you probably can't stop it from happening. So anyway, that's one of, uh, of the ones that is in the book. There are several others that are uh, uh, similar to that uh, that have to do with gathering the right people, people to the table, um, the power of authority. 
probably the most uh, important one that is there is the power of reputation. Over the course of 50 years, I have discovered that there are certain people that I have worked with, not necessarily for, but worked with, that anything they wanted, I was going to make happen. Uh, and as I've reflected on that relationship, those were people who, when they introduced me to their friends and colleagues, they said, oh, this Dave Church, you know what? He is expert at so-and-so, or he uh, is very good at this. And they gave me a reputation with that group that there was no way I was going to let that person down. I have a had a colleague at General Motors. He was so skilled at this that I found myself often working hours after uh, standard working hours trying to accomplish something for him. And he wasn't even my boss. You know, uh, it was one of those situations where it didn't matter if he caught me at uh, Applebee's and I was with my family and and it was just a social kind of thing. Uh, he would introduce me to his wife and other people in a, in a way, in a manner that I left there feeling better about who I was and what I could accomplish. And there was no way I was going to let him down. Okay, so... I, I know this is not very uh, uh, inspirational today. It, it, it's practical kind of things that uh, I hope can be helpful to leaders and pastors. I uh, would like to uh, kind of end this with sharing something that most of you have probably seen before. Um, how many of you have heard of Dr. Kent Keith? Have you ever seen this before? I would like for us to, uh, I know you're probably on mute, but let's just read these together as we finish this part on leadership. So I'll lead out and you read with me. Some people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, some people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. 
people favor underdogs, but they follow only the top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but they may attack you if you help them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you have, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. In other words, strive to be a transformational. So that's uh, Susan, what I had for today.